Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, May 15th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Intel has revealed a vulnerability that could let hackers steal data. U.S. stocks recover after a series of tweets from President Donald Trump. Then we take a look at a different U.S. trade issue, this one south of the border. And Theresa May puts pressure on Jeremy Corbyn to make a decision regarding her Brexit plan. Plus, the FT's Buenos Aires correspondent, Benedict Mander, tells us how the IMF's $56 billion bailout is playing out in Argentina. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Chipmaker Intel says there's a vulnerability in its chips that could let hackers steal data. The weakness is known as zombie load, and it has existed in all Intel chips made since 2011. Intel says its latest microprocessors had been fixed at the hardware level to prevent the problems. But older chips will need an update to their microcode, as well as updates to the operating systems running on them. Fixing the zombie load problem could slow down some computer systems. Apple is one of several companies that put out a software update yesterday and said the fix may reduce performance by up to 40%. Intel downplayed the issue, saying exploiting it would be, quote, extremely complex relative to other methods, unquote. But experts say that while the flaw is hard to exploit, it's also hard to fix. They also warned that zombie load could be a risk to cloud data centers data centers that businesses and governments now rely on to handle part of their computing needs. The revelation comes just a little bit more than a year after Intel disclosed two other chip vulnerabilities known as Spectre and Meltdown. On Tuesday, investor fears of a further escalation in the U.S.-China trade war eased. President Donald Trump fired off a series of tweets yesterday morning indicating that he still wanted to finalize a trade deal with China. He wrote, when the time is right, we will make a deal with China. The president also again heaped pressure on the central bank, calling for the Federal Reserve to match some of China's own stimulus moves in order to help him win the trade dispute. U.S. stocks recovered a little from their Monday lows. The S&P 500 finished 0.8% higher. And the Nasdaq composite was up a little more than a percent. While investors fixate on Mr. Trump's dispute with China, another clash could have a more immediate impact on everyday Americans and on their groceries. Last week, the U.S. slapped fresh import tariffs on Mexico's $2 billion tomato industry after the two countries failed to reach a deal on trade. Plus, the U.S. has moved government staff to focus on migrant control instead of on trade points, which is causing major delays at the border. So instead of shipping goods by land, the people who are producing goods such as avocados, lemons, and bananas are considering moving shipments by sea. That takes more time and could mean higher prices. Now, let's go back to tomatoes for a second. Members of Florida's powerful tomato industry and Republicans from the swing state put pressure on President Donald Trump to raise tariffs on the produce by 17.5%. The U.S. also restarted a 20-year-old investigation into anti-dumping practices. Some academics warn that tomato prices could jump 40%, and that could hit U.S. shoppers right in time for summer salad season. Meanwhile, the avocado market has already seen some disruption. 
Haas avocado prices surged by a third in April when Mr. Trump threatened to shut America's southern border. And UK Prime Minister Theresa May has challenged opposition leader Jeremy Corbyn to make up his mind. Either back her Brexit compromise or don't. The two leaders met late on Tuesday night to discuss the path forward. She told the Labour leader the government will bring forward a revised Brexit deal on either June 4th or 5th. The FT's political editor, George Parker, has more on what's to come. So far, the Labour Party has said, well, why should we help you out? You know, you're a failing prime minister. You haven't compromised as much as we would like. Why should we bail you out of this difficult situation? I think Theresa May is pinning her hopes on the fact that quite soon Britain will have European elections where we're expected to see a surge in popularity for Nigel Farage's Brexit party, a sort of populist anti-European party, with the idea that maybe that will provide some kind of shock therapy for Conservative and Labour MPs who think, well, hang on a sec, the British voters are determined, obviously, for Brexit to happen. We should support this legislation when it comes before the House of Commons in June. And the UK has until October the 31st to try and sort itself out. That's the deadline that's been set by the European Union for Britain to finally get its Brexit legislation passed. And here's a closer look at a story we're following. Last year, the International Monetary Fund doled out a record $56.3 billion bailout to Argentina. It came after the peso lost almost a fifth of its value against the U.S. dollar in the span of two weeks. When the IMF did its third review of Argentina's economy in early April, managing director Christine Lagarde said policies tied to the bailout were, quote, bearing fruit. But if investors, and Argentinians, are skeptical, it's because they've seen this movie before. Argentina first looked to the IMF for help in 1958. Since then, the country has signed 22 agreements with the fund. Most of them ended with bitterness on both sides. Benedict Mander is the FT's Buenos Aires correspondent. He explains how Argentina's policies are playing out on the ground. The big worry right now is inflation, which is still alarmingly high, running on a monthly basis at about 5% and annually at more than 55%. And at the same time, economic growth is still not recovering. You've got high unemployment. Perhaps one good aspect is that the peso is relatively stable compared to last year, but it's still one of the most volatile currencies in emerging markets this year. Can you tell me what Mauricio Macri has been doing on his end to try and stabilize the economy? So basically, he's been doubling down on what he's already been doing, what the IMF program required when it was implemented uh, last year, which is essentially a very tight monetary and fiscal policy. And right now, interest rates on central bank short-term debt instruments are at 73%. The plan is to bring the fiscal deficit to zero this year. Now, that probably won't happen. There's a little bit of leeway in the program to allow for extra spending on social programs, etc. But in terms of whether it's actually working or not, I mean, perhaps it is, but the problem is more about how quickly it's working. We've got elections coming up and Macri really needs the economy to be in a better state than it is right now in order to have a good chance of winning. Right. And about those elections... Former President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner looks like she might run again. How is her presence in all of this playing out? 
Well, obviously, the markets are very concerned about the prospect of a victory for Christina, as she's known here. Her candidacy will prosper in relation to how the economy is doing. So the worse the economy is, the better that is for Christina and the worse it is for Macri. It remains to be seen whether she will actually run. We, you know, She hasn't confirmed her candidacy yet, and most people expect that she will. But it's a highly polarized situation which suits both Macri and Christina. And you could argue that it actually suits Macri to have Christina running as he's more likely to beat her in a second round than a more moderate opponent. We don't know who that will be yet, but their prospects aren't looking great for now. If we could take a step back for a minute, Argentina issued 100-year bonds shortly after Macri came into power in 2015. Investors were banking on Macri to stabilize the economy after years of disarray. Now the economy is reliant on an IMF bailout. What should we make of this drastic change? Well, it's the same old volatile Argentina that investors should be pretty used to by now. You know, it's fairly reliably fallen into some kind of economic crisis once every decade or so for most of the last half century. The reason for the drastic change over the last year or two has its origins in the economic mess that Macri inherited from the previous government. But it's also fair to say that several mistakes have been made along the way too. Conceptually, you can say that Macri underestimated how difficult it would be to fix these problems, while also overestimating his capacity to fix them. You know, there was clearly bad luck too. I mean, the worst drought in half a century last year, and also a generalized risk-off moment in emerging markets that Argentina was especially vulnerable to. The question now is really whether the elections will see a return to populism and potentially make the whole situation worse, or whether Macri or a moderate opponent can win. But right now, the race is looking pretty you can read more on all of these stories at ft.com today we'll be following a u.s house hearing on the status of boeing's 737 air max aircraft the acting head of the u.s aviation regulator is set to testify this has been your daily ft news briefing make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.